Do you feel like you've had a bit of a pivot in your business lately? Hi, I'm Candace, and over the last six months, I spent 300 hours talking to clients in eight different countries. I asked the question, how can I serve them even more? And the Align Your Business Summit was born. I handpicked 16 powerful, heart-centered business entrepreneurs, conscious leaders, and visionaries to help support you in your pivot with their wisdom and lots of free gifts. Please join me for the next 16 days here on the Intuitive Business Podcast for your first step to move into the next level of you. Speaking of steps, step number two is sign up for my free gift of a live group Akashic Record reading. All you have to do is go to bit.ly forward slash align summit to sign up for emails that will lead you to your free gift, a live group Akashic Record reading where you too can ask questions from the wisdom of your soul. See you there. Hi, everybody. And I'm going to introduce a special guest today. Amber Duggar is the founder of Profit for Keeps, a system developed for online entrepreneurs to end the stress and anxiety around numbers. It's a holistic system combining personal finance and business, cash flow strategies using profit first, and NYAB, you need a budget. She has helped hundreds of coaches implement the system and has helped thousands more calculate revenue goals that actually make sense. She is a certified health coach from IIN and worked in corporate finance for 15 years before venturing out on her own in 2015, and she thrives on being location independent. She loves traveling, wine, bicycles, knitting, and a good cup of tea if in England, and coffee if in Italy. Sweet life. Purposeful Money is a high-vibe community of virtual service-based entrepreneurs seeking a group to up-level their money game. So welcome, welcome, Amber. This is so exciting to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Candy. Super excited to be here. Excellent. Excellent. So of course, as always, we have some questions. We want to get to know you. So what made you make the decision in 2015 to leave corporate? Well, it started even before that because I was, you know, in this corporate world where it was just becoming incredibly mundane. And I'm sure many of us can relate to that. You know, we are doing the thing that we love because we were seeking freedom of either time freedom, location freedom, or just being able to do what we want. And um, so about a year and a half before, I had had a pretty terrible bike accident. And it was the most beautiful blessing in disguise because during that time of my recovery, I was listening to podcasts and I listened to a podcast of a girl who had come from a finance background in New York and she became a health coach. And so I was always into health and well being. And I just thought, gosh, that, that sounds amazing. And so I started becoming more immersed into learning about certification. And then I took the leap and started to get certified in 2014. And by the time I graduated, I had enough clients where I said, you know what, I need to make this leap and I need to make this decision. So I left never thinking I would touch money or finance again with a 10 foot pole. Um, I was very much done with the industry. And very shortly after leaving corporate, I decided I needed a change of scenery. And I really wanted to live the life that I said that I desired to do. So I packed up my bags, I kissed my boyfriend and my dog, 
and I flew to Bali. And I was originally going to be there for eight weeks, but I ended up staying for over six months. And I would probably still be there if I didn't have the most amazing man here, but I did, I did come back. Um, but during my time there, I was in a group called Tribe Wanted. And in this group, we were all startup entrepreneurs and we were working on building our business and our clientele. So 50% of the time we were just, you know, co-working, working on our business. 25% of the time we were helping each other. And then the other 25%, we were exploring the island and it was an incredible group. And since everyone there uh, was really into health and really Bali attracts a lot of people who are already into that kind of thing. It wasn't really what they were seeking or needing help with. But what so many were asking and curious about was the cash flow system I was using in my business and how I wasn't stressed and anxious about money. And so I kept getting asked to show them that. And then the word got out and they started asking me to do skill shares in the co-working spaces around um, Bali. And then I was starting to do retreats and talks to women's retreats about not just the practice practical aspects of money, but also the wealth consciousness side and the, and the mindfulness and just, just the behavioral and emotional aspects that come with money. And it was at that point that I was recognizing there was this big gap between the bookkeeping side, which is not what I teach at all, to the actual, what do you do with the money that comes in? How do you feel comfortable receiving money? And how do you build a business that will pay for the life you desire and allow you to really be in that expansive, creative place without feeling stressed and anxious? And so I pivoted right then and there. I spoke to so many people, got an idea of what really I was looking to do and saw that all of the things that had led me up to this point was me meaning it was meant for me to do this. I had incredible mentorship when I was in corporate with people who focused on the cash flow management side, which apparently is incredibly rare for a CFO to do. And then going through the health coach certification, I really learned how to hold space and listen. And so with money, since it's 99% behavioral and emotional, having that ability to hold the space was such a huge part of the transformation of healing the relationship with money, while at the same time learning a practical system that I had for my financial background. So that's how I came into it. And it's been great ever since, really. Oh my goodness. There's so many ways that we could go right now with this, because <laughs> I love that you talked about the pivot. Um, I loved how your pivot happened but what was happening inside of you? Like, talk to me about what were you starting to see and feel because you were in corporate finance. Now you're in Bali, Indonesia, and your business is like birthing itself. So talk about that. It was confusing. Honestly, I actually even wrote a long blog post when I was in Bali and I was surrounded by beauty just Bali, everywhere you look, you see flowers and incredible symmetric scenes. And it's just a really beautiful place. And the energy is really beautiful as well. And I still felt anxious and I still felt sad uh, sometimes. And it wasn't all the time, but there would be bouts of these, you know, did I do the right thing? I had in a really incredible corporate job and I was safe and secure and I have no idea how I'm going to make money next month. And it, it was this battle for myself internally. And so even though I had the system in place, I was still struggling with having faith that it was meant to be this way. And I realized then and there that it truly is happiness comes from within. It's not being in Bali. It's not living this life where you can walk around barefoot in a co-working space. It has to be from a space of inner contentment. And so that was a really big revelation for me being in Bali and, and realizing that. And then going through the pivot itself, there were two, you know, the one leaving corporate itself, but then recognizing that, you know what, I think that this is my calling to do the holistic cash flow side. <clears throat> that felt also a little bit um, spontaneous because I had just gone through the certification and become a health coach. And now I'm thinking, no, I really should be going into this and questioning myself and wondering, is this the right thing? And I had a very patient business coach who saw the bigger picture and she said, you know, this is, this is really something I think that would really make a big difference for people. And I remember 
it was the moment that I really fully took on this new role was I was in New Mexico. I was visiting family. I was with my um, stepmom and we have a very close relationship and I've known her since I was 14. She has never yelled at me before or since this day. And I had been working with them on setting up a cash flow system for their personal lives. And um, it had made a huge difference in her peace and just feeling very grounded again. So I was going back and forth on whether or not I was going to move completely into it again with this pivot. And she yelled at me like she actually yelled at me. She's very, you know, she's like five foot one. <laughs> I'm five foot eight and a half. And I was so scared. <laughs> um, and it really, she just said, Amber, if you don't do this, the world is, 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 is going to, it's not going to be good you need to do this. And what was really amazing was last year we were sitting on the beach in Mexico and I had just been able to take my profit distribution and treat my, her, her husband and my fiance to a beautiful trip in Mexico. And she looked over at me and she, and she said, this is really amazing. And I said, Lisa, I'm so glad you yelled at me that day. <laughs> So I just, we're also talking to an audience right now, and I'm just going to say to the audience, um, I love so many components of what just happened, but maybe this is your yell at you moment where you're in the middle of the pivot and what I love what her stepmother said, Lisa said to her, this world needs this, this world needs you. And I'm just offering that insight to the audience because some of them are sitting here in a pivot right now after the pandemic. They don't know which way to go. And I too believe if we're walking on this planet right now, the world needs us. So this might be your moment. We're not going to yell at you, but maybe lean into the energy of Lisa in this moment, right? <laughs> so that you accept what you're being shown in your pivot. Do you have anything to say to the audience about that, about owning? Because I noticed you said 99% of our financial issues or how we handle money is behavioral. So this is a behavioral moment where if they're watching this, this might be a welcome to your pivot moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, having complete and total grace with yourself and knowing that we all approach decision-making in a different way. Um, my human design has emotional, I have an emotional response. So in order for me to really feel into something and make a decision, I need time to do that. I need to really feel into it. But some of us have more of a sacral approach where they just, you just know right away. And so regardless of how you are right now, whether you just feel, yes, this is it, or I need time to fill into this, honor what you feel intuitively that it is that you really need right now. And even though I did have Lisa as the person who was meant to really kind of knock me straight that day, ultimately, if this didn't feel right to me, I wouldn't have moved forward with it. This wasn't an external thing. It was really deep down. I knew she was right. And so ultimately making sure that regardless of what other people feel or think that you feel aligned with what you're meant to be doing, whether it is just sitting in this space of not knowing exactly what's next, but recognizing that what has brought you to this place is not what will bring you to where you want to be. Thank you. That sounds like, and feels, I feel things. So that feels like really good advice. And like she said, you know, lean into your intuition and happiness is an inside job, right? That's what you said. For sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Meryl was a previous interview in our lineup and um, <laughs> she shared with all of us that she has $500,000 in a savings account and she attributes it to how you've helped her. So tell us how you've helped her or people like us and how can we be one of those people? Well, Meryl is such a beautiful, special soul, as you all know from listening to her interview. Her interview. And we met, um, I'm not sure how much she shared, but we met in New York City at a small 
conference. There were about 50 of us in the room. And when she stood up to introduce herself, I immediately felt a very deep connection with her. Um, and very quickly, fast forward about eight hours, we were sitting at a dinner table with a few other women. And it was right then and there that I knew we were going to be in our lives for a long time. Um, and I met her husband and we just clicked. So she said, I absolutely want to work with you. I know that this is meant to be in terms of how I want to build my business. I want to feel really comfortable and in control. And her husband was wanting to make sure that everything was, was running properly for their family. They have beautiful children and also that she could really be in that creative expansive space. So, um, the components that I see that really make a difference in having a profitable, sustainable business is one, just being determined that there is no plan B, that you will fully implement and follow through. And that is something that Merrill absolutely did. Another thing is being clear on the fact that in order to really live the life that you desire, you need to be clear on what it is that makes up that, that amount of money. So what we did was we took her through a process that got her a revenue goal that was higher than what she was originally looking at. And I remember the moment that she saw that number, and this is really common for, with a lot of people. So just know to give yourself a lot of grace, you need to go through and calculate this goal that it will typically be higher than what you were expecting. And that's because we're looking at not just the monthly bills, but also the things that we don't see a monthly number, but we want money for, such as holiday spending, travel, uh, being able to purchase you know, spontaneous gifts for people. Um, all these things that we don't have as a, pot, as a normal bill, we make into a monthly amount so that we can still have that added in. And then we also think about making sure you have enough money for taxes and on top of that being intentionally profitable. So when we put all of those things together, it does get a higher number. What's so beautiful about this is once we have a clear goal as determined, intelligent entrepreneurs as we all are, we then can make that happen. And subconsciously, we can plant that number in. So then the beautiful universe is helping make that work out as well and bring opportunities our way. So the first thing is a revenue goal. That's what we first started with. And then after that, it was looking at, you know, what is your business making on a monthly basis? What needs to be changed in pricing and packaging so that we can make sure that you hit that goal? And Meryl had a really beautiful way of doing this. She's very visual and creative. So she took a big piece of paper and just started listing all the different ways that this money could come into her life. And so... Over time, what we did was we created a cash flow management system or a spending plan for both her personal and her business. And those integrated together allowed her to build up what I call aged money. And so that's how we ended up doing that. Wow. <laughs> so get your uh, big piece of paper out and start thinking of the ways that you can create this and, and let's get busy, right? Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that you talked about was traveling to Bali and having coffee in Italy and tea in England. Tell us a little bit about your lifestyle. And did you ever think that, you know, you would be doing all these things, you know, and traveling and just honoring who you are. And I like how you said location independent with your business. So tell us about all the juicy travels in your lifestyle. Well, very early on in my life, I wanted to see the world. And I had incredible parents who really encouraged me to save money to do that and trusted me to travel alone. So the very first international trip I took was when I was 12 years old and I went to London, England. Um, I had a friend whose father was working for the embassy for two years in London. And so they invited me over. And so it took a year before and a year after to save the money for half of my tickets. My parents agreed to pay for the other half and they shared, if you can save up half of your half before and then 
you pay the other half and you get back, you can go. And I was making $2 an hour babysitting and it was like $250 I had to save up for that half. <laughs> so it was a lot of babysitting. <laughs> um, but the, I, I made it happen because I so wanted to go. And it's funny because my best friend, she actually shared with me, Amber, I remember when you were saving up and I was so annoyed that we couldn't go to Baskin Robbins because you didn't want to spend any money on anything other than saving for that trip. I said, Ryan, I don't even remember that. <laughs> and she said, yeah, it was really impressive. <laughs> so, um, so it's always been in my blood. And then later I was given an opportunity to do an exchange with a friend. So I lived in Austria for a summer and she came and lived with us for a summer. And then I went and studied abroad. So it was just always something that, that really drove me. And what really got me to want to be released completely from corporate with, were two things. One, I was not traveling internationally for about 10 years. And that was because I had moved from New Mexico to Virginia and I was getting roughly two, maybe getting up to three weeks of vacation per year. And my grandmother and grandfather were incredibly important people in my life. And so every opportunity I got when I had vacation was to visit them. And so I put that travel on hold because they were the priority over anything else. And I just thought to myself, I want to be able to spend a month visiting my Nana and, and be able to travel internationally. And so that was really what drove me initially to, to do my own thing. Wow. There's a lot of components in there, you know, um, self-discipline, um, good parenting, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. motivation and sticking with the game plan, putting your values of family first in your life. I just, I love everything that you shared with us and it just really frames you well as a person. So thank you for just being here with us today. I feel so honored, you know, of the journey that you took in life and how you showed up is really honorable. So thank you. It was beautiful. Thank you, Candy. <laughs> you make me cry. <laughs> well, well, we, we'll talk about that connection in a moment. <laughs> we just, there's something about the two of us and we're going to get there in a moment, but I really want to give all of you to the audience in this moment. And so Meryl gave away the big secret. <laughs> so the big secret was about your free gift. And I want to just offer that to them in this moment, because last night I spent some time with your free gift and, um, it, you know, I, it was so eloquent the way that you delivered your gift as well, because <laughs> I'm a little computer challenged and you even took the moment to teach us how to download your gift on video. And, um, so tell us a, a little bit about it. I love the gift by the way. <laughs> oh, awesome. So, so this is something that I believe is so necessary for every single entrepreneur to have access to, which is why this is, this is always my free gift. And many people said, why don't you charge for this? And I said, because I would not feel right about it. This one thing can help you so much with how you structure your offerings, structure your packages, feel really good about the money coming into your business. And so this is a revenue goal calculator that reverse engineers the life that you want to live in high vibration and joy into a number that will give you enough money to pay yourself consistently on a monthly basis to provide the life that you want for you and your loved ones, have enough money for the business investments and expenses that you have to run a business that supports that life, have enough money for taxes because we all have to pay taxes and, um, and have enough money to still be intentionally profitable on top of that. So this is a revenue goal calculator that is very simple to use. You just put in how much you want to pay yourself on a monthly basis, how much you, your business expenses are running, and then put a tax percentage and a profit percentage. And for those of you who have read Profit First, and I know we're going to talk about that in a moment, but for those who've read it and have felt like this isn't working for me because I don't have three years of financial statements. This is getting confusing with all these bank accounts. This system that I teach 
completely eliminates the bank accounts and it gives you specific profit first percentages for your life because your life is going to be different than the next person listening to this, this conversation. And old, for example, me being in Bali, I had different living requirements than I do living in Virginia. So my revenue goal looked different and someone that is living in Manhattan is going to have a different revenue goal. And regardless, it's not the amount of money that we're bringing in. It's having the resources sufficient to apply it to the priorities that really bring us joy. And I call this profit for joy. So the revenue goal calculator will get you a number and then you can have so much fun with it and you can see how you want to separate out your money as it comes in into profit, being able to pay yourself, having enough money for taxes and business expenses. Excellent. So, um, so for all of you that have paused this to go get your calculator, I'm really glad that you're coming back to the interview because <laughs> I know I was like, Meryl was like telling me about it. I was like, oh, I, I want to go get it now. So. Yeah, we usually hold it till the end because uh, that way, you know, you can fully take in everything. So welcome back. So happy you're here. <laughs> I just got so excited to have that for them to have their gift. So let's talk about profit first. Um, I did, I haven't got through all of the book but I had started to read it and, uh, several months ago. And then what I did, because I just truly believe in once we, you know, learn something that we should implement it immediately, the two components that I implemented immediately was I, I put two dates on my calendar and I've been putting money in for just me and for my Bali trip, <laughs> because mm. on first I'm going to be going to Bali, Indonesia for three months for a, um, uh, a big birthday and for the launch of my book, like my book will be done. My big birthday will happen and go on to Bali, everybody. So, um, I'm already starting to save. So let's get our minds around profit first, how that works and how they could start learning a little bit more about that. Sure. So profit first, for those of you who haven't read the book, Essentially, it just turns everything we know about accounting on its head, which is exactly what's needed. The only people that really need to understand accounting and all of that jargon are bookkeepers and accountants and the IRS. What we really need to know is how much money we need to be putting aside to pay taxes so that we're compliant taxpayers. And we need to know how to manage the money that's coming into our business in a way that allows us to be strategic and visionary versus feeling like we're a bookkeeper. So bookkeepers are really, really important in making sure that everything is tracked appropriately so that your accountant can figure out how much you owe in tax. And that's really what those two functions are. Many people mistake hiring a bookkeeper or an accountant as someone that's going to help them figure out how to manage the money that's coming into the business. And they are almost always very frustrated because as you can see, when you look at it from this perspective, that's not their role. Their role is to help you figure out how much you owe in taxes and keep everything organized. What the role is for you, the strategist, the visionary, the business owner, is to determine what you want to be doing with the money that you're making and how much you want to be making and how you, what you do with it when it comes in. So Profit First is a much more practical application of let's look now and in the future versus backwards, which is what the bookkeeper does. So in accounting, and this is, I promise, the only equation I will throw at you, um, in accounting, traditional accounting, profit is defined as revenue or money coming in, the sales in your business, minus expenses, the money you spend on your business, whatever's left over is considered profit. And as you can see, that's kind of like whatever's left over, right? That doesn't sound very important. Profit first is exactly what the name implies. Instead, you know that concept when we were kids, like pay yourself first, put some money in the bank account or in the piggy bank before you go spend it. This is the same thing. So instead it's sales or revenue minus profit, whatever's left over is available for expenses. So as you can see, even this small change in how you're looking at profit makes it intentional and purposeful versus an afterthought. That's the first thing. It takes it a little bit further with Profit First and saying, okay, if you look at the money coming in, what do we need this money for? We wanna have that intentional profit piece. We also wanna make sure that we're paying ourselves consistently 
as the owners of the business because sadly many small businesses don't pay themselves regularly and it can be very stressful because as the owner of anyone in the company, the owner deserves to be paid appropriately. You've put a, taken a lot of risk. You've put in a lot of hours and effort and, you know, sweat and tears to get the business to where you're where you are and to not then be able to pay yourself consistently is so disheartening. And Mike feels very strongly about that. And he, Mike, the, the author of Profit First, he is such an advocate for a small business. So he makes a big deal about that in the book. The next thing, of course, that you want your business revenue to pay for is taxes because you know eventually we will owe them. And that's one thing that you know can be troublesome is that we don't pay tax the minute we bring it in. So we as business owners have to be mindful of putting it aside as soon as it comes in so that we have it when it is due so that we're not having to take it from something else. And the last component is business expenses. So when you have those four intentions, profit, owner's pay, taxes, business expenses. And then you think, okay, every time money comes in, I'm going to intentionally put it into these small four piles instead of the big one big pile. And in the book, they talk about using bank accounts. Um, in the system that I teach, we use an envelope software system that you mentioned in the beginning, the YNAB. And I find that to be much better for purposeful driven entrepreneurs and virtual entrepreneurs because we tend to be able to run pretty lean businesses and can be very intentional with separating out the business expenses instead of just having it in one account. Um, but in, in essence, Profit First just allows you to feel much more in control and be intentionally profitable with your business. Wow. How's that for organizing our money and <laughs> making it work for us, right? So that we actually get paid in our business. And I know um, after I read that book, I start doing things a little bit differently. <laughs> so, um, and it feels good. And you know what happens when I start to do that? It's, it's almost like magic. It, it was, it's like more money started to come. Oh, happens all the time. And, and all I, I thought, if I take this out, then I, then how am I going to do this? Like I, I, and I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm com I said, I was committed to it because there's a part in the book where you commit. <laughs> and then after that, you know, um, I just start doing it. I was like, okay, I'm going to put in my savings account. I'm going to pay myself and I'm going to move the money. And I did. And once I started doing that, it was like, it started to grow. And then I didn't need that money. It sat there. And I was like, my money's growing, but I'm not doing anything different except energetically. I am honoring my money for me in my business. And that little tweak in my business has really made a difference. So I highly recommend that book. Absolutely. And what you have also done is shown the universe. I am becoming a responsible financial steward of the resources. You can trust me with the resources coming in because I am focusing on a beautiful greater impact and impact is directly tied to revenue. So when you're doing these at, you know, these intentional actions and being very caring and kind with the resources and using it for specific purposes and honoring it, like you said, uh, it, it just starts to come in much more easily. And I see that all the time with people that go through this process. I, I didn't quite expect it, uh, I, but I'm really grateful that, that it's happening now. So thank you. Okay. So is there any parting last moment thoughts that you feel people need to know? Well, I think that is, if you're listening to this, you are already such an incredible, courageous, driven entrepreneur. And I think it's really important to take a moment and honor yourself for sitting in on this beautiful conversation and the fact that you are giving yourself this gift of financial self-care. That in itself is such a huge, huge thing you're doing for yourself. And I want to really make sure that that's emphasized because a lot of times I think we can dismiss some of the, the actions that we take for ourselves and can really get caught up in perhaps feelings of shame or guilt or oh, why am I not doing this or oh my gosh, this is, this is stressing me out or I don't know how I'm going to start. 
And the fact that you're listening to this is a huge thing because we cannot get clarity without action. And you're taking action right now by listening to this. So that's the first thing. Just I want to say I'm really inspired by you. The second thing is know that this is the beginning of a beautiful world of learning more about really becoming empowered with your money. And that for many years, we only worked with money in a tangible sense. And it allowed us to remain connected and grounded with the money that was coming in, the energy that was coming in. And since we've moved everything online into statements and lots of numbers and not seeing it on, in a physical form, it has created this overwhelm and this complexity and this disconnect with the energy that we bring in. And so that has then led to many people believing that they are not good with money because they feel, well, I'm not good with math. I'm not good with numbers. So why would I be able to do this? And I want to tell you here and now, I believe each and every one of you is good with money. And that is because you are driven for impact. You are driven for a greater good. And that money is absolutely there to help you amplify that impact. And so when we take it back to a simple look of just imagine all the money coming in physically and sitting on your, your desk or your dining room table, and you're now deciding how you want to organize it, that truly is as simple as it gets when it comes to money. That when you want to increase the amount of money you have, and it comes back to the basics, right? And we all know this, bring in more money than you spend. And the way that you bring in more money than you spend is by getting a revenue goal that allows that to happen because then you can be striving for the goal that makes sense for you. And then you will just naturally see it happen as Candy, Candy shared that, is, that she's experiencing as well. So I just want to say well done and thank you so much for listening to this today. Thank you all. So Amber and I had quite the initial, um, first connect, not the interview, but the first connect. And so, um, what happened was we got on zoom and then we were kicked off of zoom. So I like, I thought it was on my end. I like unplugged my terminal. Um, but what was whatever that thing is, <laughs> the, the internet thing. And then I unplugged it. I plugged it back in. Then I came back to my computer and it said, zoom isn't connecting to the internet, but I could get on my Google sheet. So I started thinking something's really off here. So we finally, Amber and I finally got back in touch via phone. And then what happened Amber? <laughs> So I have never had this happen with my phone. I have a brand new phone. It works really well. It was fully charged. <laughs> and I was just getting into sharing something really deep with Candy and it died. I mean, completely died. Didn't just turn off or the call didn't just drop. The phone powered off. <laughs> and it took me about five minutes to get it to come back on. And so I was sending Candy a Voxer through my computer saying, it's coming back. I promise. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, that happened next. <clears throat> so what happened right before then is we were just talking about a few things. And even in this interview, Amber mentions um, in her interview for the summit, she mentions the priority that she's, she had in her heart about being with her Nana and Nana has since passed. And that's all she kind of mentioned is something about Nana. And so I think Nana, what we are figuring out is Nana got busy about wanting to speak to her sweet granddaughter. Now, the next thing you're going to have to help with, because I started a channel and I don't remember all pieces of my channel, but if you start talking about it, I'm going to remember parts of it. But I do know that her grandmother came through and how do you know like that it was that you really feel in your heart that Nana was coming through for you? Well, the very first thing that you said or that she said was she said, you're my pride and joy and my best friend. And the pride and joy she wrote all the time in, in letters to me when she would see me. And um, there was another piece that I, I remember about three months before she passed away, we knew she was getting close to passing away and we were having some really incredible, we always had incredible conversations. It wasn't just near the end, but 
I said to her, and I just needed to be very practical with her. I said, you know, Nana, this is not an easy question to ask you, but I really truly do not know how I'm going to go through life without you because anytime I have a question or a concern or a dilemma, I come to you. And so right now I'm coming to you because this is a dilemma, but I honestly don't know how I'm going to go about living life in the same, like without your, your advice and you being there. You're my rock. And I've always told her that she's always been my rock. And it was such an automatic, easy response for her. And she said, Oh my dear. And she stood in front of me and she said, you right now have to make such an effort to come see me. You fly two different flights. It's 2,500 miles away. When I pass on, it's going to be so easy because I'm going to be right here. And she put her hand on my heart and she said, I will always be there with you and you will feel me every moment of the day. And so Candy, I hadn't shared that with you. She said, she said to you that she, she had given you given me her heart that I, that there are gifts that people can pass on and that she passed on her heart. And that she said that I want to make it clear that you're not, that you are absolutely enough, but I am here to help amplify the amplify your efforts in the process. And she made it very, very clear, you know, that I needed to be writing this book and that I needed to be getting clear on the, the life, the next level of my life and what it, what it looks like. Wow. I don't remember all that. That's really, I mean, it's touching my heart. I have goosebumps all over. So the book, you mentioned the book, was there any insight that either your guides or Nana uh, gave you in the reading? Well, yeah. Um, so I know many people who I've, I've worked as a, as a launch um, director for Mike Michalowicz. He asked me personally to do his call work launch and I'm not a book launch person and I've never been involved in books. I love reading books, but I've never wanted to write a book. Um, most people I know in that world have always felt very, very called to, to write a book. And that's, I would say, more common than not when, when someone's writing a book, because writing a book, as you know, Candy, is a huge endeavor. <laughs> huge. <laughs> huge. So, so it has to be absolutely driven from a place that is just all in, this is happening. And so I was asked last year to go to, um, Mike's first author up event. And he said, please, Amber, just come. I think you'll really love it, but I really, really want your energy there. Cause he just, he gets very amped up and can feel the energy. We're very, we're very connected in that way. So sure, you know, I'd be happy to, I'd love to support you. And I'd love to meet your new book launch person. Cause her name's Amber. And I was hearing amazing things about her and they are all true. She is amazing. Um, and so I wanted to meet her. I wanted to meet his co-writer AJ. Cause I had never met her in person that whole time while I was working with Mike. So I went, well, AJ asked us to all write down, a number of how many copies we were going to sell of our book. And I, you know, was participating. I wasn't going to sit out and not do anything, even if I wasn't really there to write a book. And I had this very clear vision of exactly what my book looked like. The little gold thing saying over a million copies sold. And I know what the book cover looks like. And I thought, that's really weird. But <laughs> I got this very clear vision and this was, you know, a year and a half or two, yeah, maybe a year and a half ago. So that was the beginning. I was talking with people. So many people were saying, Amber, I see this book. You really need to write this book. And so many people have been asking about my book. It just kept going, going. So then I tried going into writing this book. I actually ended up receiving quite a large check the, the second day of this conference that allowed me to easily say yes to working with AJ. It was very serendipitous. So I start working with AJ and during that time she was saying, Amber, this, what you're sharing with me has already completely changed my life and this is so needed. And she's very driven to write a book that is reader first, last and always. And I love that focus that it's all about serving the reader. 
and I knew that she was the person I was meant to be working with. Well, we get to this conversation that you and I are having, Candy, with my grandmother and my guides, and you didn't even know, I, I think, like anything about what I did or anything in the very, like when we first I, talked, I right? I didn't. And, and you had, oh, go ahead. Well, I just want to clarify, because we just did the interview and I said I used Profit First, which I read the part, almost the whole book. And um, what happened is, I, I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I had 16 people I met. Yeah, then I interviewed. At all. So I was in the <laughs> middle of organizing all of this and I got to her day and her interview and I thought, I'm just going to talk with Amber and connect with her, but I don't know anything about her. So I'm just going to, by now I, I was very proficient and asking questions, but then I couldn't ask you anything because we couldn't even get together because our zoom went off and our phone went off. So I literally knew nothing about her except that something was weird with my, our account, like zoom and phone. And that's all I knew. So go from there. <laughs> Yeah. So, but one of the very first things you asked me was, so tell me about this book. And I was like, that's so weird. Cause you know, I just keep hearing it in my team also, like they're really, really wanting me to finish this book. It's actually on my wall, like part of it in my, in, in an outline form. So the guides had definitely been also channeling that message through you and what I wrote down was, this is what was shared, that I'm a gentle leader of money and that the world needs this, needs this book, focus on your book, but also focus on your dreams. And that this is, this is something that is absolutely your mission and, and you need to do this. And um, there was something about a ghostwriter. And so I Plus the conversation, I completely shared the entire experience with my team right away because they both were absolutely like the very first people that needed to hear this. And they were so excited. And you know, it's really funny. I didn't tell you this, Candy, but the night before, both of them had had separate dreams about this book. And so Teresa, who I'm very, very, I'm so grateful for her. She uh, said that she had a dream about editing my book and getting really annoyed with the paragraph spacing. That's what she remembers in her, in her dream. And then um, Jennifer, she has been so dead set on supporting authors as has Teresa. And if we look at her bio, she's like, Oh my gosh, Amber, you're my author too. So I then have a conversation that had already been booked weeks ago with AJ that very next day. We haven't spoken in a few months. I share the story with her and she's like literally jumping up and down and she's saying, well, Amber, finally, thank goodness, because this needs to happen. And so this all aligned. She's um, having me come into her next workshop, which is incredible. Anyone who's wanting to write a book, check out AJ Harper. You could not be in better hands. Um, and on top of that, uh, when I said, okay, I have one last final thing though, because she said, I will literally do anything, albeit not ghostwriting to help you get this book done. And I said, well, that's a thing. The guide said, I need a ghostwriter. And she looked at me, she got really, really close to the camera and she said, Amber, they need me. Like, I'm not going to go start your book, but as you know, I'm going to help you guide you through this. You are going to be fine, but you're writing this book. <laughs> and so that's where it's going. And so now I went through, I got this huge level of clarity over the weekend. And these are my focuses, which you can't see because it's so blown out, but it basically says number one book, number two content, number three clients. And my team has taken over all these other things that we've been talking about. They've manifested over the last six months. This is all meant to happen. So it's pretty crazy. Also pretty amazing. And I'm so grateful. <laughs> so would you recommend having an Akashic record reading with my gosh are you kidding me yes I've already given your information out to so many people um and I, I was I have I do EMDR and so my 
my therapist, my EMDR therapist, I shared this whole thing with her the whole time. She's like, what's your name? I want to do this. What's your name? I want to do this. So I guess a hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you for this. I, I just wanted to do, I wanted to share a little bit about, because this was unexpected for me. And that moment when we finally connected, I said, hello. And then the next thing out of my mouth, which remember we hadn't talked yet. And I didn't know what she even did. <laughs> and I said, how's your book? And I thought she's going to think I'm a freaking cuckoo bird. And then I said, I don't know why I just said that. And then well, that's what started everything. Well, and what's so funny is that so many people do know that I've been in the process of this. So it was such a natural question for me to answer because so many people have been asking about it. And so it's like, Oh yeah, no problem. So it's just so funny. It's so funny. And then, and then I stopped after she like talked and I said, I don't know why I said that something is going on. And then her grandmother started. So that's what like the, the grandmother started. Then I think the book started and then, and then here we are right now. So congratulations on your book. And I really do. Um, I'm grateful that your guides came through and gave you some specific insight and that, um, you know, we both connected with, with Nana and she was, I do remember the energy of her was amazing. Like talk about like warrior type of love for a grandchild that she actually pushed the two of us aside <laughs> because she's like, here's an opportunity. Talk about windows of opportunity. Grandma, Nana took it. And then I do remember the last thing that I said when she said goodbye, um, what happened? Because that was amazing to me. Do you remember the word that she said when she was saying goodbye to you? No. What, yeah. What so I don't speak Spanish and I said something in Spanish. Then I had to kind of ask Amber what it meant. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. The word basito. Yeah. Basito. Yeah. That means little kisses. <laughs> now, first of all, I'm not Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. And I met her for a half of a second before zoom turned off. So for me to conjure up that word and to deliver it. I couldn't have did that. And I don't speak Spanish. So I asked her what the word meant. So I hope I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't saying the wrong thing, you know? And I was oh. like, Oh my God, I just said something to her. I don't know. Yeah, no, she, she, that was her first language was Spanish and her parents never spoke English. So that, um, so we would sometimes, she always joked and said that I speak Spanish better than her because I learned it and she wasn't using it as much anymore. But we would sometimes talk to each other in Spanish when we wanted to have our private conversations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. This has just been so lovely and I feel even more connected to you. So I'm going to box you after this, but I just want to thank everybody that's listening. And I hope that this supported and helped and kind of showed a little bit about what the Akashic records can provide for high performing heart center business entrepreneurs. It will help you to get your mission even more, I believe into this world. 100% agree. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you feel more connected to your power within and that you take action from the guidance here today. For more information, please head to CandiceHaza.com where you will find more resources to help you and your business grow to the next level.